and welcome to the Heroin TV Podcast. My name is Lucia, and today we're actually not going to talk about TV. It's a very odd podcast. We're going to talk about movies, and I have two of my friends with me, Kyle, who was on here for the Dexter podcast earlier, uh, what, back in November, maybe? <laughs> yeah, it was a while ago. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Um, glad to have you back, Kyle. Great to be back. <laughs> Awesome. And we also have our friend Colin. Hi, Colin. Hello. And um, they are two of my friends in real life who we always love to go to see movies. And we really wanted to talk about them in more detail because we've all been, it's been the winter movie season. There's just tons of Academy Award nominations and other award shows. And we've just been seeing lots of them and want to talk about them. So, what should we start with? We were thinking maybe we would start talking about The Hobbit? Sure. Sure. So, you guys aren't big fans of Lord of the Rings, right? You're not, you're like, Uh, whatever. J.R. Tolkien, whatever. (laughs) No, we certainly don't get together in book groups and read the books together or anything weird like that. (laughs) Wouldn't do anything like ridiculous. So, you're like, who are these small people on my screen and why do they live underground? (laughs) <laughs> yes, we know nothing about the series. What is a hobbit? My my girlfriend's father and I certainly did not last week talk about the difference between the Elvish languages. That was, <laughs> that was really silly. Wow. Now, see, I, even I didn't know that it went that far with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you probably would be really good at Elvish languages since you had to learn. We All of us have had to learn Latin and Greek. So, you know, what's Elvish? What's elvish, you know? Just add another yeah, one in there. Just throw in some Sindar in there and you'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, no, we're all huge fans of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings and all of those uh, wonderful things. And so we watched that movie. We watched it on the day after opening day? Yeah. Yeah, so it's been yeah, a long it time. Soon. So it's been a while since it was out, but we will try to... Uh, did you guys see it twice? Did you guys go again? Uh, no, I only saw it once. Okay. Yeah, surprisingly, I only saw it saw it once, also, which may be something that we talk about. <laughs> uh, did you not? You weren't obsessed enough to go see it a second time. Well, I know for me, and it's not that I wasn't obsessed enough. It's like I kind of was obsessed enough, but we just saw it the one time, and it's sort of the, the more and more I've thought about it, the more I've kind of been. Just like, I don't know, a little bit sort of uh, not really at ease with, with the whole with the whole thing. It's not to say I didn't like the movie, because I did, but um, I, I think Colin had similar similar reaction. Yeah, I would say I liked the movie a lot better right when I came out of the theater. About a week yes. after that, I liked it considerably less after I had time to think about it. Was it because of sort of the pacing of it, like the fact that it's going to be stretched out into two more movies and so it only got to show sort of act one of i i think in large part for me that was that was part of the problem i mean the movie and i had that same reaction too where i came out of the movie i was like oh my god that was amazing you know i'm texting everyone that was great you know and everyone was all jealous they hadn't seen it yet or whatever and i felt great about myself but then i started thinking about it later on and it was just like you know there's it just felt really big i don't know like bloated kind of like i don't know how to 
really really describe that. It was just the more you think about it, you're like, why was all that in there? <laughs> yeah, and you know, for a movie that's so long and where so much happens on the screen, not really a whole lot happened. I mean, right. Nothing really story story wise. I mean, no, they try to make it so that things happen, but it doesn't ever quite pan out that way. Like they yeah. try to give them, you know, they they try to provide an arc where Thorin doesn't like Silvo, and he's sort of angry that Silvo has to be along for the journey. But at the end, sorry, Thorin, you know, he's fine, and he and Bilbo like each other. But yeah, but Bilbo has an arc in the actual book, and it yeah. doesn't get resolved until later. <laughs> So my 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 question is what is how are these characters going to have arcs that continue into the next two movies especially that one that Thorin Bilbo relationship right they seem to really like each other now and Bilbo like, oh, all right capable, they're friends yeah and Bilbo is a capable competent warrior now so there's no reason for him to do anything in Mirkwood and Thorin's got no reason to dislike him. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't, in the books, he doesn't really sort of come into his own until they get to the Lonely Mountain. And, God, that's like two movies away, as far as we know. (laughs) You know, I mean, and at first, after having seen the movie, I thought all the flashback stuff was awesome. I was like, oh, that's that's amazing. You know, Smog attacked the Lonely Mountain, that was cool, and then, oh, look at that droid, uh, droid army, oh my god, look at that. Uh Uh-oh, wrong wrong franchise. That's awful. It was like, look at that dwarf army, you know, attacking Moria. That's cool and all this stuff. And then, and like, the more you think about that, though, it's like, well, you know, that wasn't in the book. And maybe there's a reason for that. Like, it was neat to see, but do we need that, really? It just slows things, it all down, you know? Yeah, one of the things I've always liked about Tolkien is how much he doesn't show. I mean, pretty much everything in Lord of the Rings gives you this impression of kind of this is a lesser age and things used to be big and epic, but now they're not. And so when you try to put the big and epic stuff on the screen also, it takes away from that feeling of um, nostalgia, but not in a positive sense. Right. But the actual, you know, the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy movies did that really, really well, I thought. Whereas it's all the same production crew and everything this time. And it just doesn't, it doesn't work like it does in the original trilogy. And a lot of that I think has to do with the kind of story the Hobbit is versus the kind of story that the Lord of the Rings trilogy is. Um, They're different, but we're trying to make a movie that's in the exact same tone as the original trilogy. So it's a bit disjointed. That to me was a bigger problem than the pacing was. Right. It kind of veers wildly from kind of slapsticky humorous like the actual Hobbit is to sort of big and epic and bombastic like Lord of the Rings, but it just kind of does that in the movie. There's not any real transitions between them. Right. But that's also a pacing problem because then it jacks the whole thing up where you're kind of going along light and everything. And then all of a sudden there's this big scene. You're like, Oh, okay. Now we're slowing down. Oh oh, no. Now we're like Radagast has rabbits, you know, like it's just, it's sort of. (laughs) And then you have like Radagast, happy fun rabbit sled, followed by like this grim, dark conversation around a table. Uh, You get whiplash. Yeah, and then you're like, wait a minute, why is Radagast even in this movie? You know? Yeah. You know, so there's, there's all of that to go along with it. But I mean, I think if you cut a lot of that stuff out, this would be a really good movie. But I mean,. Again, who am I? Am I gonna? Would I be able to make those decisions? Like, I don't know, but it's you know, it's um, it's definitely got problems. Not, but I I still liked it. 
Yeah, I think you make a good point about sort of the the bloated like aspect of it. Like, I feel like they they do that a lot with movies. Like, ever I feel like every movie I watched, um, like this during December and January was like four hours long. <laughs> like, it's like what every movie does it have to be three and a half hours? Like, does every movie have to be that long? And the fact that they took The Hobbit and divided it into three movies, and even with that, the first movie is still like. Yeah. so long mm-hmm. um you know th- yes. there was just it, they could have maybe made a better movie if it had different editing however on the positive note like i was so in love with like the first half hour of that movie like i just loved everything in um in the shire and i mm-hmm. want to live there forever and have a hot <laughs> hole like bilbo and have people washing my dishes and making songs and <laughs> yeah the, the dishes part like i just loved it i don't know well, and the part well, see, where that's, the that's part the where thing. all the dwarves came in and each one was like just his reaction how bilbo was just so um you know annoyed that they came but he had to be polite and that i, I just that part was just so fun and and the part with like like up to yes. the point where he joined the thing and he like wanted to go back because he forgot his handkerchief right or something right. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> like i i loved that but then you're right it's like kind of disjointed from the rest of the movie with all those we talked about this after the movie with like all those power shots of um thorin yeah. and he's like hair blowing <laughs> in the wind with his like sultry look like ooh, right. i'm so, I'm so deep and dark and my hair is blowing like a pantene commercial ooh, <laughs> you know um there was all this like they were trying to make Thorin into kind of a, a Aragorn, an Aragorn, but it's like sorry, yeah. he's no Aragorn. Um, right. Not supposed to be. There's either. only one, exactly. so they were kind of trying to make him more of like a romantic hero or something. I don't know. Right. Well, that's but that's what they did so well in the first movie. The first movies is is the atmospherics. You know that uh-huh. stuff is great in the original trilogy, and it's great in this movie. Um, it's just when they try to mix some of these styles that you get the problems. And, and I mean, if we're going to highlight positives, let's talk about Bilbo. I mean, the acting in, he was great. Yes. You know, he, I mean, I, part of the movie. yes, I loved him as, 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 as Bilbo. I mean, I thought so, that was perfect casting. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there, there are a lot of things that were great in it and, you know, and, and that, that's, that's, and, and it wasn't just him. I mean, Everyone is is basically good in this movie. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, yeah. If you want to talk about general strength, I think that the acting was definitely probably the best part of the movie. What right. did you think about the choice to um, to go to Rivendell um, and have when they were in Rivendell to have um, uh, what's her name there? Galadriel. Galadriel. Well, and um, you know, it wasn't just her. It was it was the whole you know the the White Council. The whole Council. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and you know. S- Saruman. Yeah. Right? And, Sar- no, yeah, is that yeah. right? Saruman? Yeah, Saruman. Because sometimes and, I say and, the and wrong, I say Sauron instead of Saruman, and then yeah. I'm like, oh. If he had been there, it would have been a much different film. Yeah, no, that would be different. There. But yeah, yeah you Saruman. Know, and it, this was one of the things that I know that we sort of had talked about before the movie, where it was like, well, they're going to show all that stuff, but it's like that none of that is in None of that's in the books. It's not even in the appendices, really. I mean, they, they, they allude to it. It's like, I was most worried about the parts that they would have to completely invent, you know? Um, And I wouldn't say that that scene was, like, bad or anything, but it was just kind of like, all right, like, okay, they're having a 
there's a conversation now around this table. Like, I mean, it's just it wasn't necessary. You know, you just didn't need it. Right. Especially in in this movie. I mean, one of the things I like about the original trilogy is that each movie you can watch on its own and it has yes. sort of a complete story. Whereas in this one, that council kind of goes nowhere from there. Yeah, it has nothing to do with anything that happens in the rest of the movie. They're 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 setting up the eventual you know, attack on the necromancer, which, and who knows when that's going to happen. That might not even be till the third movie. So the scene was fine. It just belonged in a different movie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or not at all. (laughs) You know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I I guess... Sorry, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, I was also not a huge fan of how they made Saruman out to be evil kind of right from the get-go. That's true. Right? It was like he was twirling his mustache off like, off in the yeah. corner. <laughs> yeah, <great>. exactly. <laughs> Whereas, you know, in... in the, <laughs> right, I mean, in the books, it's very clear that none of them realized that he was actually, like, being false with them at these council meetings, uh, you know, at all. Yeah, but Galadriel seems suspicious in this one, huh? She and she and right. um and Gandalf already seem suspicious of him or something. They were like keeping secret from him. Yeah, right. that was weird. That's what I'm and that makes it weird that like in Lord of the in the Fellowship of the Ring, then Gandalf just kind of shows up Tower. And they totally get hoodwinked okay. after they should have known yeah. from uh, fifty Gandalf years earlier. Yeah, because he trusts him still. <laughs> you know, so this is this is an example of something being written backwards just for a movie audience mm-hmm. right people that know he's a bad guy so we're gonna write him as one exactly mm-hmm. it's like well he's not yet i mean he is but nobody knows that yeah you know mm-hmm. yeah so i mean yeah so it's, i mean obviously that was one of the that was one of the issues i think um so yeah Again, not to take away from the positives the acting is great the scenery is great right. looks wonderful but right mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I do agree with you, Lucia. I think the first half hour, forty-five minutes or so, is fantastic. I'm I'm really glad that in a movie that was already so long, they didn't cut any of that out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I did think like the flashback stuff. Like I did like it. Like and uh, a lot of times I'll get bored if there's too much exposition, um, you know, or it can come off as cheesy. But for some, who did they have? Um, who did they have saying the exposition, saying the flashback? It was, it was, it was, it was Bilbo. It was Ian Holm. It was older Bilbo. It was, yeah, older Bilbo. I loved his voice because I was like, right, I remember, you know what? Really enjoying they didn't that whole scene with him and Frodo. Like at oh, the no, beginning, that, that. that was like, oh, yeah. if you forgot who he's supposed to be, it was like, you still could have had his voice doing narration without. But I did like, scene. yeah, but I did like, like he, he made it seem so much more interesting than. It can be if sometimes somebody is telling a story sometimes then. Right. Um, I mean, it's not that I didn't like the flashback scenes. I thought each of those as little like set piece scenes were fantastic. Mm-hmm. But it's like when when you sort of you keep sticking them in key points in the film where so they're not the action is not progressing. They're they're going backwards and talking about things that happened before. And I get that you need that in, in a movie like this, but I don't know that you need it that many times <laughs> you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i guess we don't you, we don't feel it's um it was robbed of getting a best picture nomination no <laughs> no i don't think so i mean i'm not and that, again that's not to take anything away from it but um 
it was not on the level of like say Return of the King. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, which not only was nominated but won, and I thought deservedly so. Yeah. Um, it's just not there, and I think a lot of that is the source material. I mean, The Hobbit is just not built for that kind of epic storyline. Ooh, you know the one thing we forgot to say, the the highlight of the whole movie, the Gollum scene. Oh, yeah, I don't know how we forgot. Yeah. Oh, that was... Now that scene, that was really good, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, that was that was fantastic. That was, like, perfect. It was a perfect recreation of all the stuff I would have hoped to have in there. That right, was basically once... how I pictured in my head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then once again, you know, Andy Serkis is just fantastic as mm-hmm. as Gollum. I mean, he is... That was just great, all around great. I mean, I don't know what else you can say about it, really. There was there was nothing about it where I was like, mm, I don't know about that or anything. I mean, the whole time you're just like riveted to it. That's one of the few times in the movie where I felt like I I had to be watching at that point. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Whereas like I don't. Yeah, at some of the other points I'm like, should I get up and like do something? You know, but then then like at that part you're not even thinking about anything except what is happening on screen. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's to me the mark of great filmmaking right there. Right. So I mean that that's what's so frustrating about this movie. Like it has flashes like that all over it. But then there's all this other stuff in between. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed, I guess. So moving on. Do how many of us saw Les Miserables? Did we all see it? Um, I, I did. didn't see it. Oh, you didn't see it? Okay. Well, let's move to one we've all seen. We all saw Lincoln. And... I think we should talk about Lincoln. Only right now, only because if we, we just talked about how long The Hobbit was and how you, at, at very many points you can feel how long it is. Whereas Lincoln was also pretty long. But for me, at no time did I feel like, God, this movie's taken forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I I think part of it was like I went into it thinking, oh my gosh, this is like a movie made for Academy Award nominations and it's going to be long <laughs> sure. and boring and blah, blah, blah. And then I was completely riveted throughout the entire thing, even the part which was a vote in the House of Representatives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I went into it thinking it would be sort of about Lincoln's whole life or something like that. And to yeah. find out. And it was about one month of a legislative process. Sounds so boring, and yet it was fascinating. Yeah, that was the thing I liked the most about it, where where it was kind of like, I didn't know what to expect going in either. And then, and then you're sitting there and you're like, is this movie actually just about, like, this vote? And and then it is just about that. I mean— I mean, obviously yeah, it's not it's just, just about, about passing that, the amendment. It's but, all I mean, about— that's, that's plot element, but, like— the whole time you're you're thinking this is great, <laughs> you know? yeah. Like it's uh, I I was very surprised by that. Pleasantly. I mean, you're almost thinking to yourself like, oh, what's going to happen? I mean, you know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like we we know it passes. But that vote scene, yeah, it's great. And, and you know why it's tense? It's not it's not tense because of what is the outcome you know going to be it's tense because of the characterization like you're like is tommy lee jones gonna get up and like ruin this you know because they set up that whole personal like issue between him and the other guy 
and like he's going to try to rile him up and ruin it and you just so i mean that's what you're paying attention to um yeah and they do that with so many of the minor characters you know you have the yeah. one congressman who's kind of a coward and is sort of getting pressured into it you have the one that's a racist but his brother sort of wasn't and um and so you're really paying attention to how they vote not necessarily to how the vote goes right right exactly it's like you know it's going to pass but the whole time you're just like what are these characters going to do <laughs> which which is i think why the movie worked as a whole not just for that scene because again it's like we know the outcome of the plot overall also mm-hmm. but the whole time you're just wrapped up in daniel day lewis is amazing as lincoln and you know and and, and sally field and just everyone it's and tommy lee jones who was also great in this movie <laughs> And all of them got nominated for Academy Awards. So, yeah. um, I think that's definitely. Daniel... Des- Sorry, go on. I, just... oh, no, I was just going to say, I think that's definitely deserved. Um, so, yeah, we can talk about them individually. But... Well, because I'm just curious. Um, so, Daniel Day Lewis was nominated for actor in a leading role. And he's right. going up against Bradley Cooper for Silver Linings, Hugh Jackman for Les Miserables, Joaquin Phoenix for The Master, and Denzel Washington for Flight. So, are we rooting for Daniel Day-Lewis to win? I am. I can't yeah. claim to have seen the other films aside from Les Miserables, but I have not seen acting like that in a long time. He's definitely right. does better than Hugh Jackman and Les Miserables. I mean, I loved yeah. Les Miserables, but... And I like Hugh Jackman. But... I like Hugh Jackman, too, but... He was not yeah. I don't think <laughs> he needs to get a Best Actor for that. No. Right. I mean, I totally, I totally agree. I haven't seen some of the other ones. Now, Bradley uh, Cooper was really surprisingly good in Silver Linings, which is shocking for me because it's Bradley Cooper. Like he was yeah, Will he's a, he's on Alias. I had no idea. Right. Like this was a really, it was a really good character for him. Um, but I bet Daniel Day Lewis will win. But, well, I don't think there's any chance Daniel Day Lewis doesn't. But you and never I think know. If, I, mean, I think if he doesn't win, then then like Denzel Washington is going to win. No way. Um, that no way. But Bradley Cooper might win because he's playing somebody bipolar, and don't that, doesn't the Academy like when people play crazy? <laughs> well, I guess that's true. Maybe. But, uh, but it was he does have a really good job. Like movies that were like you know Oscar bait for the sake of Oscar bait haven't been doing as well. Right. Yeah, well, but, but I mean, you shot down Denzel Washington, and he was a drug addict, uh, an alcoholic well, in that movie. So I just mean, just that trailer looked so horrible. My mom did describe the whole thing about him, and he could get it too because his character, from what she was saying, was like, you know, it was he was very like an unpretty version of Denzel, you know. And right. Oscars love that. Like he's really kind of like committing to being at his worst, you know, committing to being like really being the mess, like really having to. But, right, but I don't know. I mean, that movie is just such a horrible give... movie. Why would they? I just, I, I can't believe that movie was be nominated. I well, know. well, you, you, you have to give it. I think <laughs> to Daniel Day Lewis. I mean, you just really do. I mean, it was, especially because he, he just really. I mean, obviously, none of us know what actual Lincoln was like. Okay, I mean, I think that's obvious to say, but you sort of feel like you do after having seen that movie. I mean, he really just projected that whole presence without having to re- without he hardly ever raises his voice at all and that scene's one of the best ones in the movie when he actually does yep. that's cuz he doesn't do it ever mm-hmm. you know it, all all the way up until that time he just it's just he breaks that tension all the time with some kind of story 
and like the you know the reactions of all the people around him when he's telling some folksy wisdom or whatever in the middle of one of these crises he just pulls that off so well and you feel like that must be what lincoln was really like not this you know this like huge orator but some someone who could just get everyone in the room to gravitate to him with like this quiet little tale or whatever mm. and you really can feel like how powerful that was and he conveyed that perfectly yeah i loved all the story the way that they created that character of like he's always just telling these stories and it just you just really felt like you knew him even though right it's just well, in that, that one wonderful movie. moment where and kyle you'll know it's just the secretary of the navy or someone says oh, yeah another story you know yeah yeah, I yeah. Don't, not another one of your goddamn stories and he like stalks off he's like I yeah i yeah, love that I part i can't listen to one of your stories right now or whatever and he just leaves and you're like i could see someone actually yeah, doing that you can completely sympathize with them because you've been hearing these folksy stories and even if you like that you understand that like that would get on some people's nerves right especially in a situation like that you know yeah. <laughs> like i just can't not right now i can't listen to you you know, and, and Lincoln doesn't even say anything to him. He kind of just like oh. chuckles a little bit and continues on with the story. Sorry. It's like because he knows he'll be back later, you know, like when it matters or whatever. And <laughs> he doesn't like yell at him, hey, get back here, damn it, you know, or or, or anything. Yeah. The only time he has that whole I'm the president moment is is when you're just and that is that is so effective because it's the only time you see it. One of the only times you see it. The only other time is when. He's, yeah, it's in one of those scenes with, with, uh, with, with, uh, with, with his wife, you know, where that's the only other time that he raises his voice. Uh-huh. And in both times, you're just like, wow, that was pretty good. So which is, um, Sally Field nominated for? Oh yeah, Sally Field is up for actress in a supporting role, but she's up against Anne Hathaway for Les Mis, mm. which Anne Hathaway was pretty amazing. Yeah. As um, as Fontaine, and she's also up against um, Jackie Weaver in Silver Linings Playbook. That must be the mom, the one who played the mom, I guess. I don't know because it's. I don't know either. Yeah. It must be the mom because that's the only other girl in the movie besides Jennifer Lawrence, <laughs> and then Helen Hunt for the Sessions and Amy Adams for the Master. Now. Amy Adams I didn't, gets. I didn't see the master. I didn't I either. To. And Joaquin Phoenix got nominated as lead actor for his role in the master, whatever the master is. But they aren't playing at any theaters by me, so I'm not going to be able to see that one. I'm not going to be able to see Amor or Beasts of the Southern Wild, which are the other um, two ones that kind of get repeated in nominations. But yeah. I've seen almost all the other ones. Like other than those, like three, I've seen all the ones like in the big categories. Well, and I'll throw this out there and see what you guys think because you guys saw Lame Is and I didn't. I was talking to one of my coworkers about we were talking about who should win. Should it be Sally Field or um Anne Hathaway? Mm-hmm. And of course none of us had seen the other movies, so <laughs> we weren't even talking about them. But and and she was saying that like, okay, yeah, Anne Hathaway was really good, but she's she's hardly in the movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas Sally Field is really good, and she's she's in the movie the whole time. Now, as I realize that it's a supporting role, but at the same time, she was saying that in her opinion, she sustained that performance throughout the whole film. Whereas Anne Hathaway is only in it at the beginning. So, I mean, I don't know. I didn't see Les mm-hmm. Mis, so I don't know what you guys think about that. But 
Well, I mean, Anne Hathaway's part in, even though she's not in the whole movie, the parts where she is, she's the most important part. Like, she's like, she gets to have her own musical number where the entire thing is just a close up on her face for like 10 minutes. <laughs> you know, like. Which had most of my theater crying. Yeah. So, I right. mean, I think the performance is definitely big enough to be. A supporting role. Um, I and guess for Sally, me, I would say. Oh, sorry, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, Sally Field, you know, I love her. And, oh, my gosh, she looked amazing at every award show this season, like, younger than everybody else. She looked <laughs> amazing. Like, it's, I don't know what's, I don't know what deal she made with what devil, but she looked so good. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I did like her portrayal of the character. Um a lot, but I don't know if I would say it's an Academy performance, you know, it, mm-hmm. I don't know, but I mean, it was, I don't know. It was interesting because I, it was an interesting look at that character that I hadn't thought of before. So, but she kind of gets overshadowed in that movie. Like when you're lo- thinking back of the movie, you know, she yeah. kind of gets overshadowed by Tommy Lee Jones and, and Daniel Day Lewis in terms of, you know, She's not really stealing any scenes, you know, although I do love her scene when she's in the, the, the reception, reception line. The reception. That's yeah, a great, she did steal that, <laughs> that, that was a good one. <laughs> that was really good. That's true. That was really good. And yeah. And so I don't know. I guess what, for me, um, just to cut in, it seemed to me like, um, her character in Lincoln is it's, it's important, but it's not really centrally important to the story or to how Daniel Day-Lewis is portraying Lincoln. Whereas if you have in Les Mis, from what I've seen, which is not much, just the movie, but if you had a weak Fontaine, it really would make um, Jean Valjean's character really weak. Mm. It wouldn't really sort of make sense for him to be as sort of emotional about Fontaine if yeah. she didn't pull that off really well. Yeah, because she's basically like the catalyst for for the whole movie, like, you know, her death is, 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 well, and her, you know, downfall is kind of the catalyst for everything that happens. Um, And although I have to say, I was expecting worse, like, because I actually did a little bit of a reread of the book um, while I was doing it, listening to audio version, and the parts that talk about Fantine's sort of, you know, after she gets fired from the factory and her downfall and everything, it's so heartbreaking. And there's just all these stages where she has, she cuts different lengths of her hair off and cuts her teeth out or gets her teeth pulled. And it's like one by one, she's like loses all her teeth, you know, like she only gets like what has like one left for chewing or something. It's like all so tragic. And, um, (laughs) you just like read this whole thing and all these letters she writes. And it's like, it was almost like, (laughs) You know, in the musical, the musical's a lot lighter because you know they make the Tenard they make the Tenardiers, um comedic relief because you know, gosh, if you're watching Les Mis, you need a little break, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, so so sad. So, like, you know, the, it could have been even sadder, but from what it was, I mean, I thought that was pretty impressive. The I. Although I weirdly didn't cry. I think because I cried so much when I was reading the book, when I was rereading it, that <laughs> and I didn't have any tears left when I was watching the movie. But it, I was moved. I did, you know, I just feel like her character is just, for me, so important in that story. Well, yeah, there it is. Really 
Yeah, I mean, it's not really the fault of the actress, but... Though there yeah. is a whole, there is a whole, like, I don't know if you guys know, there's, like, a whole group of people online, like, there's a whole segment of the population that just hates Anne Hathaway. <laughs> Did you guys well, know there, that? There's a whole segment of population that hates anyone famous. I mean, I guess so. <laughs> but there's any seems, particular person. There seems to be this whole movement of like the fact that people are really annoyed by her during this award season, like because she really wants to win. Um, and <laughs> she's not being modest enough about. It. She's well, not hiding. It she's like just like else. really excited about everything. She's always just trying really hard or something. I don't know. People get annoyed about that, but it's like I don't understand why anyone would be annoyed by that. It's like I feel like I don't know. I don't really. I'm not like I don't like love her more than anybody else, but I don't I don't have any problem with her. I don't know why. I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like some of the the hate towards her just is, is very like hyperbolic. It's like why would you have such strong feelings towards her? Like I I don't get why people would dislike her so much. Like people just, need something to be upset about. She just smiles a lot and really wants to be uh. wants to sing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I like, I thought she did a really good job, you know? I mean, I was impressed because, you know, you know, it's like when you know a character like that and then a well-known actress gets cast, it's like, you're always like, hmm, I don't know, you know? <laughs> yeah. And when there have been so many famous versions of the stage musical that people are right. going to be comparing it to. Right. Which yeah. is exactly where the movie version of Phantom of the Opera failed, but we won't don't need to talk about that one. But <laughs> but but yeah, Gerard. Yeah, that was not good. But anyway, <laughs> right. So you said Tommy Lee Jones was up for Oh yeah, so Tommy Lee Jones. The th- I, I'm very conflicted about this because he's up against Christoph Waltz from Django Unchained. Yes. Oh. And ugh, I just loved Christoph Waltz and Django. Um, yes. But I did love Tommy Lee Jones and Lincoln, so that's really hard for me. And then the other, he's also up against um, Philip Seymour Hoffman for The Master, another one for The Master, and then um, Robert De Niro from Silver Linings Playbook, which he was really good in Silver Linings, but I wouldn't give him an Academy Award for that. And then Alan Arkin for Argo, which I definitely would not give him an Academy Award for that. No, but that, he was good. He was good. In, he was uh, yeah. good in Argo, but you know, whatever. That was... Yeah, I actually would have chosen John Goodman from Argo instead of Alan Arkin, you know, to like oh, to yeah. nominate because mm-hmm. he was a, he was great in that movie, but but he's always great, so it's kind of like I think he gets overlooked a lot. It's like, oh, John Goodman delivered another great performance. It's like, all right, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But, it's funny um, how in the last two or three years he's become such a I don't know high profile actor compared to how he used to be. Yeah, it is weird, and I'm I'm happy it's happened. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> yeah, I like him a lot, but uh, yeah, that is a tough one though. That um, that's a pretty strong. That's a strong category. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times these these supporting actor com- um, categories are just like re- really strong because there's just so many there's just so many people in so many movies, you know, that have supporting roles. It's like there's just always somebody awesome. And didn't Christoph Waltz already win for? Um, did he already win for? Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious yeah. Bastards. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, he was I, so I good in that. Now he's so good in this. I don't know, but I wouldn't mind giving him a second one. It, but... It's fun. <laughs> like he is a great actor, and it's like, where did he come from? I, I have no idea. I never it's heard of him before. Inglorious yeah. Bastards. Quentin Tarantino discovers this guy. Well, not <laughs> discovers, but like you know, introduces this guy to 
you know, the, the, the world audience and immediately he has an Academy Award. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he won the Golden Globe too. Um, and he had to go up against, I think he went up against Leonardo DiCaprio in the same category for the Golden Globe, but, um, Leonardo didn't get, didn't get nominated for, um, the Academy Award just in the Golden Globe. Yeah. And, what was um, for? Huh? Oh, for for Django. Yeah, yeah, for Django. They yeah. had two they had two people from Django in the in the yeah. supporting role at the Golden. Well, Globes. he was great too in Django. So he oh, was yeah. good, but Christoph Waltz, come on. Right. But yeah. well, it, just to be fair, because we were we were talking about Lincoln, and mm-hmm. we can segue, I think, to Django. But like Tommy Lee Jones, he was that so was pretty strong. <laughs> yeah, in, in Lincoln, that was great. There was a couple scenes that I just loved because of you know when when he you know, welcomes that one senator back in or whatever, and he just, like, tells him exactly what he's going to do, you know? Oh, yeah. And he keeps mispronouncing his name on purpose. Yeah. Like, that was great. Oh, you know? yeah, that scene was so amazing. Yeah, that <laughs> was fantastic. so hard. Yeah. And I think one of my favorite scenes in the movie was when he and Lincoln were talking about how yeah. he's such a radical abolitionist, and Lincoln is sort of a, you know, step-by-step kind of guy, and both of them just kind of laying out their position. I thought was really fair to both. And right, and it wasn't even like, oh, I'm now converted by the president. It, it was like the complete yeah. opposite. He's like, yeah, we don't agree. <laughs> you know, and it was like, oh, <laughs> that's refreshing. And they don't agree, but they they get that they need each other. And exactly. it was just perfectly done. Yeah, I mean, perfect. it was perfectly done. Unlike the ending to Lincoln. Yeah, but I mean, I I guess we can just talk about that really quickly. It's just like, and I I was talking about this with my coworker too, and it's like everyone I've talked to says the exact same thing about this movie that it like has the perfect endpoint. Like Like when he's walking down the hallway, it's in there. I'd love to see you again, but I don't know if I'll. Yeah, Yeah, it should have ended there. And if they wanted the malice toward none speech, they could have voiced it over right then. And they, you know, like it, it, it was like the, it was the perfect, I thought the movie was over. I'm like, oh, that was a great yeah. ending. It's like, oh no, now we're doing the death scene thing. It's like, all right. Yeah, I agree. It should it's have like, ended. You know, it's not like a spoiler. It's like, you know, he's, you know where he's going. You know he's going to get shot. It's like. Yeah. Were they worried the audience wouldn't know he dies? Well, then they don't deserve <laughs> an answer to. Like, they, Were they like, they didn't think that. it could be powerful enough just him leaving, down, walking down the hallway because. We wouldn't yeah, know. They were wrong. <laughs> yeah. Apparently they know something we don't, but. Yeah, that would have been, I mean, one of the things too is like when we went to see it at the theater, it was totally full and yeah. people like laughed at all the same parts and like, you know, got, got quiet at the same parts. And I felt like the audience really got into it and I wasn't yes. expecting that. I was like thinking, I was just thinking, oh, we'll go see Lincoln. It was Twilight weekend, and we're thinking, oh, yay, there won't be a line for our movie because everybody's going to see Twilight. And then it was like a full theater, and all these people yeah. were there. And I, and then I talked to some other people online, and they had the same situation. Like, the, the Lincoln was sold out at their theater and stuff like that. And so, I mean, I did. It ha- it has a lot of popular appeal. Like, it's a really smart movie, which I enjoyed that it was – complicated dealt with a lot of the politics in interesting ways and it didn't sugarcoat things and it didn't didn't sugarcoat the racism no it didn't and it didn't make it to it didn't it didn't do that like um 
thing where they sort of make him saint too saintly. I mean, like you think he's really awesome, but you don't think he's yeah, some like, he like feels very human. Yeah, he feels really yeah. human, and and so I, I like that it was complicated and interesting and in surprising ways, and so I was like, it was cool that it was like kind of a movie that could have broad appeal, but also be smart um, too. Right. I mean, I think we all kind of had a, you know, some faith in humanity has been restored moment. Like, <laughs> yeah. I remember we were talking about how there won't be anyone in this movie because everyone's dumb and everyone is going to be seeing Twilight. And then it was like full. And we were like, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> like these people actually care about something that isn't lame. You know, I, mean, I know that's how I felt. And just a side note to the listeners, um, I brought Colin and Kyle, my friend Stephanie and I brought Colin and Kyle to see the oh, yeah. fourth Twilight movie. Oh. And they had never seen any Twilight movies before. Movie. So they were very traumatized by that experience because they'd never seen any Twilight movies and then they watched the worst one. Um, so <laughs> yeah. So this was like a good um, cure for that movie experience. Yeah, it took we like a year to get over it. We didn't so see the next Twilight movie and instead yeah, we well, saw Lincoln. I guess I'm not over it. That was that was that yeah. that that still qualifies as the worst film ever made from my point of view. I haven't it's seen a worse one. Yeah, I haven't I seen a worse one. Yet. Yeah, so is, that's sad. <laughs> I mean, the least Transformers I laughed at. Yeah, um... that was so bad it was funny. That that movie was just so bad it was it was bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, right. I can talk about how crappy that movie was for an hour, but we should probably not. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Yeah, we'll pass on that. So, other, any other thoughts on Lincoln? No, I'm good. <laughs> no, I'm good. Sh- should we talk about Django now, then? Because since we all saw that one, Django Unchained, another sure. three, yeah. was it three and a half hours. I think it was three and a half hours. I don't think it was three and a half hours. I guess I just imagined, but it was really good, even though it was really long. Yeah, it uh, was really long. And again, I didn't care that it was long. No. I I loved it. I was not really sure what I was going to, you know, because I do, I am a Quentin Tar- Tarantino fan. Are you guys normally Quentin, Tar- Quentin oh, yeah. Tarantino fans? Yeah. He's in my top three. Yeah. Yeah, mine too. So it's like you kind of know what to expect when you go into a Tarantino movie, you know, you know. Well, you know to expect a great movie. But other than that, it's like... Well, right. But, I mean, you know, like, it's going to be kind of um, heightened violence and quirkiness and... The music's going to be... And weirdness and, yeah, good music and... The music's going to be amazing. Yeah, you know that going in. Within the first two lines of dialogue, you're going to think to yourself, (laughs) Yeah. Well, the credits are rolling. You're like, yep, this is Tarantino. (laughs) I mean, you're like, this is either Sergio Leone... Or yeah. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino, and there's only one possibility with that. So, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I was just like a little bit nervous because I was just thinking, it's a really like heavy subject matter to deal with like racism and slavery. And I knew mm. going into it, like it was going to have the N word and all that stuff. And I was just kind of like, oh, I wonder if it like if that will be like uncomfortable to watch or what's going to be like. And um, it did a great job of like showing all those themes, but also being incredibly entertaining. And I felt like the tone just worked perfectly. Yes. I mean, he handled all of that just superbly. Um, and, and he's always been really good at mixing like humorous situations into these like horribly like violent, desperate 
like moments. And this movie was absolutely no different in in that respect. I mean, that whole scene with like the hoods with like the oh, KKK yeah. guys was was brilliant. Like, and it's in the middle of this. They're going to there to murder them because the guy likes black people in, in their in their mind. You know, so like they have this horrible purpose in mind, but it's just so funny. <laughs> you know, um, not many people can pull that off. And I. Just, I mean, a brief note on that scene. I was not expecting to see John Hill in this movie, but there he was. Oh, yeah, I had no idea he was in the movie. And I was like, oh, oh. my God, that's... I didn't know Don Johnson was in the movie. Yeah, Which yeah. I really, which <laughs> I really enjoyed. Big Daddy. Yeah, Big Daddy. Yeah, and then, and then seeing Jonah Hill, I'm like, oh, my God, that's great. Like, <laughs> I did not expect that at all. I think I knew because I'd seen, like, some press photos where he was... Like, oh, he's in Django Unchained. I was like, okay. Hmm. Yeah. But you, you probably weren't remembering that or anything. And then it's like, oh, there he is. But, uh, yeah. And I loved I mean, that I loved like, that Carrie Washington was in it because I really love her. She played the wife, um, uh, uh-huh. Broomhilda. And right. she's currently on this TV show called Scandal that is really good. And she plays, like, this political... Uh, kind of fixer like she mm-hmm. is yeah. this high-powered uh woman in washington dc and she's really awesome so it goes from that to being a slave yeah i mean this was a very different role for her because she kind of you know her role is kind of to be the the princess to get rescued and i mean she and she brings some emotion you know to that role with you know like those scenes and you know like oh that scene when they take her out of the hot box was just like mm-hmm. so hor- horrifying um and I like that all the stuff with like her speaking German and all that stuff. But right. So, but I mean, her role wasn't huge or anything. But I just it was good, even for for a small role like that. It's good to have like a good actress in it, so that then they can at least they can convey um, that she that it's worth all the stuff that you would believe that he would love that he loves her and you like you know and she believed that she loves him and even though they don't yeah. have a lot of scenes really together. Hardly together, yeah, yeah, like yeah. You kind of feel it, like they had good chemistry. So, right. Um, what about Jamie Fox? What did you guys think of him as Django? I, the D is thought, silent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought he was really good in that role. I mean, he, especially when I mean, you can kind of see him. Be—he's the strong one, really, out of out of the two. Oh, Where yeah. at first you think that it's Christoph Waltz, you know, like he's the tough guy. You know, and because he's this bounty hunter or whatever, but then like there's so many times where he wants to break character, and 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 Django's the one who doesn't allow that to happen, and you're just like, oh, you know, that's got to be really hard for him, and he doesn't really show that, but you just feel it anyway. That you know, like especially when they don't when they don't save that one guy, and he lets the dogs eat him. Yep. You're just like, oh God, you know, and and so I mean, I thought he was great. Yeah, I think it was a good like to show the progression because he starts off kind of, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, a deer in the like in the headlights. Like he's just he doesn't know what's happening. He gets rescued, you know, in the forest in that crazy scene, and he doesn't really know what's going on. And you know, yeah, that scene was a Tarantino master. <laughs> we can say that, but <laughs> yeah, and so like at first, you know, he's just kind of learning, and then you really do see like him kind of develop this strength. Where by the end of the movie, when they're at um, at the at Candyland, you realize like how 
how much all these experiences, how much, and then it all gets paid off in that scene where he um, he kills the Australians and yeah. and rides was- off on the horse, and and the guys that are in the are still that were in the prison. Um, uh, what's it called? Train thing, whatever they are. They're looking at, and they're just kind of like, wow, like that's a free man, you know? And they just (laughs) kind of like, he's just so badass at that point. Like, it just, (laughs) yeah. You know, and I kind of mirror image of that first scene too. Because Christoph Waltz does that at the very beginning. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's very true. (laughs) And yes, that's how you, that's like sort of the passing of the scenes of Django's become that character now. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, I don't know what you can say about Christoph Waltz in this movie, um, other than like it's just he's perfect. He's really he's just perfect in this role. There's there was there was not a single moment where I was like, eh, you know, like not not once. No, and I really love his character's arc. You know, he goes from this guy who's very sort of confident and secure and sure of himself and everything that he does, and he's always in control of every situation, and then gradually, you know. He just is this outsider. He's this yeah. German guy that's come to America, and he just he gets beaten down by just the existence of slavery. Yeah, it's just it keeps getting rubbed in his face, and um, and I think that Leonardo DiCaprio does that really well with oh, just, yeah, just being this guy who who is you, you know <laughs> you know he's just awful but he thinks he's so great like it's just and he believes it too and and you can you can really feel that i mean um you know i know there's a lot of people uh, that don't like leonardo dicaprio as an actor which i don't get i think he's great now he used to suck but like i i think that he's really turned himself into a really good actor and um this you know candy land that whole thing i mean Again, only only Tarantino. That would only be in a Tarantino movie. That the plantation is called Candyland. But I mean, I mean, um, but but he was great as just this guy who is, you know, creating all this violence, and it's it means nothing to him. You know, it'd be no, like he's confronted yeah. with how wrong he is. Yeah. No, of course not. I mean, I love that part when Christoph Waltz points out to him that, you know, Dumas, oh, he was black. And then you'd think, like, Leonardo would, like, freak out about it. And he's just kind of like, oh, well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't even phase him. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's secure in how awful he is. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I, I also loved that, you know, he didn't end up getting killed at the end. I mean, that's... Well, yeah. That was fantastic. I mean, I also, I, you know, you're thinking there for a minute is like, is he really going to just walk out of there? Like, are they going to leave? What's going to happen? How is this actually going to end? <laughs> you know, and um, yeah, but uh, that's another thing that was great about that that scene with, with when Christoph Waltz, he's like, you know, he looks over at Django and it's like, he knows that he's about to get killed. He's like, well, I'm going to do this because I hate this guy. Yeah. So here's where I go out, you know, and it's just like yep. he's. He's become that confident guy again in that in his like final scene that he was at the beginning, as you were mentioning, Colin. And then it's like that's he finally regains that like confidence and uses it to like rid the world of, you know, Calvin Candy. Yeah. What about Samuel L. Jackson? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, goodness. You know, I actually I, I did not realize he was going to be in the movie until 
Pilot mentioned it to me, and even then, I thought he would have a cameo, kind of like at the beginning of Kill Bill, where he has about three lines because Tarantino likes him, and then yeah, it turns he, out... And he loves part. to do a cameo, you know? He likes oh, to... Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know he was in the movie either. <laughs> like, I didn't really research it at all, and then, oh god. my god, was that great. <laughs> That's what I was saying, where is his nomination for supporting actor? Because... Yeah. That was such a good performance. Like, I, I don't even know how to describe how great I thought that was at the time and still right now. You know, like, <laughs> I've never seen him do anything like that before. But, uh... That was a very different character for him. Right. Well, yeah. he was loud and angry, which is sort of a Samuel Jackson thing. But it was in, sort of, he was doing that as an act. And he had right. kind of calm, quiet, reserved part that was much more scary and much more intense. Oh, oh yeah. And just, like, the, the way he spoke and the way he moved and just everything was absolutely spot on. And when I realized that he was going to have a longer role, that, you know, like, when, when he was still in the movie after a few scenes, I was like, thank you, God, because <laughs> I'm going to enjoy this right now. <laughs> and, um... Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say about him other than, like, again, that was perfect. So, I mean, I don't know if it's just what it is about Quentin Tarantino, but he is always able to get really, really good performances out of people. I mean, yes, the people he usually chooses to be in his movies are great actors anyway, but he just always seems to get exactly what he wants from them somehow. One thing I like, too, about Samuel Jackson's character is that, you know, the more I'm thinking about this, the more it seems like he's a nice mirror image of Jamie Foxx's, and that they're both sort of, on the face, they're both sort of servants or subordinate to these white characters, whether it's Christoph Waltz or Leonardo DiCaprio, and they kind of have this buffoonish exterior. Samuel Jackson's very much a yes man, and um, Jamie Foxx is wearing this crazy blue outfit, you know, it's like, you know, a little blue boy thing. Right, right. But they're really kind of the strength behind both of those characters, whether it's the evil character or the good one. They're very much sort of the actual, I don't know how to better phrase that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that is a really good point that I did not think of at all until you just said that. But, I mean, that's absolutely the whole frame of the movie, really, right there. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it really is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would completely agree with that uh, and, but and they do it in such different styles too yeah that that's what's that's what's so great i mean samuel l jackson is is much more like christoph waltz and jamie fox is much more like leonardo dicaprio like the way their yeah. characters are yeah very much so that's a really great point which is which is i didn't think about that at all until right now but that yeah that see again it's more direct di- you know directorial genius that we didn't really notice until <laughs> it's like <laughs> but it, it's all there it's all there yeah <laughs> you know um yeah and i really liked the incorporation of the german of the german folktale of the of oh, yeah. the way that they they dealt with sort of this idea of rescuing Brumhilda from it, it, it just kind of had this cool hero arc within because the rest of the story, you know, it's it's so so horrific and there's so much you know complicated uh, racial aspects going on and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And so it was nice that in the center of it, you ha- you had something c- kind of just a, a nice 
a sweetness in 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 the middle, you know, that sort of he's this hero um, in between all this, like, crazy gore and all this insanity. I kind of liked that they had that right. that aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, you need something to to actually center the movie. Otherwise, it's like, what what are they doing? What's their purpose? You know, and and it's just it's just that something that that simple. Oh, we're rescuing his wife. Okay, and, and it kind of has that like you know that old because you know how he loves Sergio Leone and he he loves yeah. these old westerns and it it just kind of it gives you this feeling like of like it's an old movie in in some ways like with the way they do the music and all these things, but at the same yeah, time, it's like it's like um it's like for uh, for a few dollars more. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's that whole aspect in it. Um, you know, they're not rescuing the girl, but but it has like just such a simple plot that's actually based around this sort of like love, right? In in that movie, it's you know getting revenge because the guy you know ki- killed the woman or whatever. But I mean, you still have to have that central thing that binds it all together. And in this movie, it's that plot line. And again, they don't even, as we're saying that the incorporation of that German story is, is how you do that without them actually having to meet at all in the story until almost the end. Yeah. That was like that scene where they get like revealed to each other was, you know, was pretty awesome. And, and I like that, you know, so she tries to rescue herself too. Like I like that she had tried to run away yeah, that's she's, not, she's in the, languishing there. That's yeah. what she's, and I right. like, and she, we know she's like smart. You know that she had um, had learned German, and she's like, kind of like she knows what's going on. She's trying to like, you know, see her out. You know, um, but she's kind of stuck in this impossible situation because of um, what was Samuel Jackson's character's name again? Was it uh, Stephen? Huh? Stephen, I believe. Stephen, yeah. yes, Stephen. Yeah, I, okay. I had forgotten, but yeah. Yeah, Stephen. It's like because of Stephen, she's sort of, you know, like he's just terrorizing her, you know, she's sort of stuck in this. Um, and so, I don't know, it was just interesting, the dynamics. Like it wasn't, I, it had a lot of huh. intricacies to the <laughs> power and dynamics. Then, coming back to what Kyle and I were talking about a couple minutes ago, she makes such a nice contrast to Candy's sister. Because she is smart and she is trying to better herself, right. she is capable, and yet Candy's sister is like she's in a puff of air. I mean, she's just so she's stupid and she doesn't understand anything, and she doesn't even recognize that. She's just, oh, how are y'all? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, and it's like you wonder with her character is is that just the way she's reacting to it all? Um, or, or is she actually that vapid, you know, like there it, is, is that just her way of she's lived in this house her whole life with her brother who is this way and everything. And, it, you know, is, is is she just kind of that's how she deals with it all or is, is really just nothing there, you know, and they don't ever address it. You know, it's just this is this character and you're like, OK, she's not she doesn't really bring much here and, and so she is a great contrast um to broomhill See, i didn't think about that either but of course it's obvious now <laughs> i didn't until now but yeah when you look at it hindsight like well there are two major female characters right <laughs> <laughs> exactly 
Um, so, like, what about what about the violence? I mean, we managed to go like you know twenty minutes into talking about this movie and not really, <laughs> not really talk about. Which again, I think is just shows the strength of of it all all the way around. That there is so much to talk about rather than just oh yeah, and that huge like bloodbath at the end. <laughs> I was like a little bit stressed out about it because I went to move my mom and she uh. doesn't really like. <laughs> A lot of violence in movies and so i was like sort of worried i know but she really wanted to see this one um and because of like the themes and stuff so sure. so i was just like i was like worried because i didn't want her to be like traumatized by the violence or whatever <laughs> and no everything was fine she was totally fine with everything up until that big crazy scene at the end when just everybody gets killed <laughs> that's a pretty good way to describe it yeah. <laughs> it was like kind of like everyone on the plantation gets killed like it's yeah. first they're alive and then not so much yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah and, exactly. and i mean like i'm used to in tarantino movies he has sort of this heightened violence which i always feel like um you know it doesn't seem real so it doesn't bother me as much as other violence although i don't really have a problem with violence in movies in general but, you know, it always seems more fake. Whereas I felt like in this movie, the violence felt more real than in some of his other movies. I mean, there was still, the blood was very uh, dr- overdramatic. But at the same time, there it was a little more realistic than some of his other um, well, crazy scenes. I, I think scenes. it was only, re- I don't think that the end. I mean, I wouldn't call it realistic, like. From, like the real from, word realistic but just it wasn't from, as heightened or something i don't know something about well, it just I, I still felt that like the end massacre was 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 very cartoonish just just like a lot of his stuff is but i mean colin maybe you want to speak to this because i know we had talked about this before that you made a great point about the contrast between when he's dealing with like the slavery violence versus just like the other kind yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, uh, I also thought the end was very cartoonish it reminded me of um the scene with the crazy 88 in Kill Bill. I mean, there's yes, just yes. blood flying everywhere and people's body parts are flying everywhere and fine. Um, but it was nice that that was so cartoonish. But when he dealt with the violence and slavery, it was painfully realistic. Um, I mean, I looked away a couple times. When yeah, those that whipping scene was really hard to watch. The scene, the dog scene. I mean, those really those were legitimately difficult for me to watch. But then the ending part was just, again, it was kind of fun, sort of happy, crazy Tarantino action. And so I thought that made for a really nice contrast in the film between sort of what was real and what wasn't. Right, and that's why I don't get the people who are like, oh, this movie is just, like, super violent, it's horrible. It's like, it's not, it's not even what he's doing. I mean, I don't know how you can't get it at this point. It's not like he does anything different, you know, the way he uses violence in, in, in you know, in, in his movies, I mean. Inglorious Bastards was like this. Definitely the Kill Bills was like this, where it's just so over the top. It's almost funny. Like, it's not funny that people are getting, like, shot. It's funny because it's, like, it's obviously movie violence. It's not real violence. It's like, you know, it's like when the guy, the crazy, you know, the crazy 88s, when when the guy's arm gets cut off and you hear, like, that sprinkler sound. It's like, (laughs) that's funny. I mean, you know, it's just because it's clearly not meant to be realistic at all. And it's just... You know, in this movie, in this movie, that that my my version of 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 that scene in in this movie was the one guy who kept like 
Oh God! I'm getting oh, yeah. kept getting shot like you over and over. Like eight times in the leg. Yeah, like that guy would be dead in real life. But like yeah, it was yeah. funny because he's still getting shot and groaning. You know, like and it's like normally that wouldn't be funny, but in a movie like this, it is kind of funny. I mean, so yeah. What was that movie we saw with Will Ferrell that was like had a Spanish name? Oh, Casa de mi Padre. Casa de yeah. mi Padre. So you know how that movie is kind of a play on those seventies. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and at the very end of the movie, there's like a huge shootout where everybody like yeah. gets shot. Like, oh, I remember. Yeah. Like it kind of reminded me of that, like the of that in the sense that like it seemed like it was kind of a commentary also on or an ode to the genre like oh yeah you know that in those those type of genre of these movies that there's a huge you know shootout at the end right and um yeah especially because there's no way that on that plantation there were actually like you know 40 armed guys all ready to fight or something like yeah and they just kept coming in yeah (laughs) like all right let's bring more (laughs) yeah 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 and then uh yeah, I mean, it was clearly, it was definitely, that, that's actually a great comparison with Casa de mi Padre. And that shows you right there how, you know, not serious it is. If you can actually make that comparison and it's legit, which I think this is. <laughs> or, I mean, it's. Whereas yeah. in this movie, I don't feel like it was really played for comedy, though, but it was like, but it, at the same time, it was a commentary on it. Like, I feel like it was very yeah. intentionally done. It wasn't just like, ooh, yay, let's have some blood. I feel like. You know, there was a commentary on violence in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Know. And I don't mean that, like, I think he was intentionally trying to be. Oh, funny. no, I, so I'm, I was agreeing with you. I was saying because, you know, like, yeah. like in that movie, you know, they're they're saying something about it. You know, they're just they're saying something funny versus they're saying something about it. And Right. I mean, I think it became funny because it just kept going. You know, it's one of those things where. Right. You know, All right. right. We're still doing this, you know. <laughs> yeah. And he does a good job of, like, going in and. Tarantino kind of goes in and out of funniness, like like he'll do. There'll be a funny part to that, and then it will get serious again, or it will be. Yeah, he, and it's usually he seamless. Mix, he mixes yeah, those. He mixes those tones together a lot, like um, in between the chilling, the chilling and the funny, like especially because Samuel L. Jackson's character, in some parts he was kind of funny, and then in other parts he's just like oh, the yeah. scariest man ever. Uh-huh. You know, it kind of goes in and out of this like chilling and and hilarious kind of thing and the same with like leonardo dicaprio you know like he's sort of kind of back and forth between and they do that a lot with um he does that a lot when his movies i feel like right well he used samuel jackson the same way he used the violence like his, his character was so over the top that it was funny and i felt bad for laughing at some of that stuff that he was saying but i couldn't help it i just i just found it hilarious like just he just because it was just so over the top, and I was like, "Should I be laughing at this?" I'm, I don't care. I'm still gonna laugh. Like I, you know, I really could not help it. It was some of those scenes, and and it's not because like I feel like yeah, you know, that's right. That is how you know slaves should be treated or whatever. But it was just so like, oh my god, Samuel L. Jackson just said that that <laughs> you know that that made me laugh. It's just like the violence. It's like it's a commentary on on this whole genre, you know. I think I feel like the subject of violence in movies is kind of like a hot topic right now. So it's like it just seems like more people are like kind of I don't know. It's like people want to find some have something to blame. Um, yeah. Because our world's so violent, but 
I just feel like... Which that. is why this kind of movie is actually good, because the world is so violent, but it you, you have to kind of lighten it sometimes. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know, I feel like as historians, anybody who's a historian, what, how could we take it seriously that it's movies right. and video games is what's creating people being violent? It's like, no, I'm pretty sure people are violent, <laughs> and that's why yeah. we depict yeah. mo- violence in our movies and, yeah, and right. didn't get that way because he played video games it's like um right, yeah exactly it's like i'm pretty sure uh you know millions of people <laughs> were killed um in all kinds of wars all the time way before uh i don't know it's like we're actually less violent as a world today than we used to be it just that's scary isn't it's it it's just that <laughs> we <laughs> we have different values now where we see the violence as bad as, as opposed to back when the world was violent and it was like, yay, war season. Yeah. <laughs> or even if it wasn't bad, it was just kind of a natural part of life. But now right. It's unnatural. Right. It's kind of like, Oh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, now, now it's a bad thing when you wipe out an entire city just for like defying you. That used to be, that used to be standard, <laughs> you know? So exactly. But I mean, I'm not trying to say, like, the violence isn't, you know, horrible and and bad. Like, I don't care about it. I'm just saying, like... No, but, I mean, it does require some perspective. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Django Unchained is not going to ruin humanity. You know, because it depicts violence. But, yeah. I don't... It's just, yeah. I... People are weird. You know, people did long before them. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like movies d- are supposed to depict some type of truth, you know, in the human condition. And it's like if we, <laughs> if they weren't violent, then it, they would just, they wouldn't do that. <laughs> right. Of course not. And, well, I mean, in, in a movie like this, that we're talking about how he, how he's using the violence, I mean, part of the problem might be that, that a lot of people don't have a very high, like, movie IQ. You know, like there's a lot of stuff that we see in movies all the time where we'll be like, oh, that's obviously a reference to whatever, you know, you know, mm-hmm. but a lot of people don't have that perspective, especially a guy like Tarantino. I mean, you know, half the stuff in the movie is like an homage to something. It's like even if I don't know what it's an homage to, I know it's an homage to something, you know, <laughs> um, because he he especially just fills his movies with stuff like that. Um so I think uh, I think when also when you lack that kind of perspective, it just seems like why is he doing that? You know, that's unnecessary. It's like, well, no, but it's it's he's saying something about you, you know. But so I think that's also part of the problem with sort of main you know mainstream audiences. Mm-hmm. Not to sound too you know like film snobbish <laughs> or whatever, but I mean I just I mean it's true I think. Yeah, and that only comes with seeing a lot of movies and paying attention to them critically. Right. Yeah. Our, yeah. Which isn't yeah. something that everyone does, so. Oh. Yeah, but like even with like TV critics who have who are really smart and watch lots of things, um everybody was was all up all like freaking out over the following, which is the serial killer drama. And like at the TCAs, oh, yeah. it was like yeah. there was like it was like violence on TV gate. Like it was just everybody at these TCAs was just like talk. I think it's, you know, because of just some of the things that have been happening lately, um, in our country with gun violence is like people jumped onto this like subject, but it's just, 
And yeah, I just, it just seems such a, a but nobody ball. blames Commando. Yeah. yeah. No, I it's mean, like, there, there you go. There's like, a classic. We're going to say, oh, there should be less violence. Well, it's like, oh, well, are they allowed to, uh, you know, read about Alexander the Great's conquest? Because, oh, he killed a million people there. Um, oh, Julius Caesar's <laughs> um, <laughs> conquest of Gaul when yeah. he, like, basically did genocide in Gaul. It's like, I mean, I he don't know. He only enslaved, like, a million people. <laughs> it's just like, right. it's just like, it's just like violence. Anytime you read about, I don't know. It just I I don't like where things are going when people are like, oh, maybe there shouldn't be so much violence on on TV because I just feel like. Well, that's another reason why I love Tarantino because he's just, like, screw that point of view, you know, <laughs> and he just he does the exact opposite, you know, which is fantastic, and I'm sure he'll continue to do so. Yeah, I think the bigger problem is is the violence interesting. Or does it serve a purpose or is it, you know, is there a reason? Whereas I feel in a Tarantino movie, I feel like it's very much there for a reason. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Whereas sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know. It's hard to talk about violence in film if you're not actually using it. Yeah. Exactly. If there's no violence, people will be like, what's happening? (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's like, because it's like, you know, I think sometimes there's more interesting ways to do things. Like sometimes they might just put a violent you know, something gratuitous in there, and then it's like, oh, well, that's a waste oh, sure. of my time. Well, that's most movies. Yeah, but then it's <laughs> that's like... That's the way most movies So are. I just wish it was more like, oh, there should... I wish the discussion wasn't, oh, should should we have so much violence in TV? And it, it, I wish it was more, um, it's like smarter, smarter TV, smarter TV, yeah, smarter exactly. movies. What kind of violence? You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I wish... Yeah. If, if it's a smarter... Um, project, then it's saying something interesting versus not. I mean, not that there's not a place for just silly things, too, but... Right. The, the, every movie made in the 80s wouldn't exist now if <laughs> if you use that rubric. But, I mean, again, there was something different about that than the way it's done now, I mean, but, but, but yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I totally agree. Uh, any, any other thoughts on Django? I'm kind of I'm sure. There, I'm sure there are some, but I mean, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. But but a million things. But, yeah. but no, yeah. <laughs> I think that's good. So I guess uh, it's getting pretty late. So I guess we'll stop for he- we'll stop here for now. But I we want to talk about more movies. We want to talk about um, more about Les Mis and Argo and Zero Dark Thirty. Um, so hopefully we'll record again later this week and. For now, we'll post this one. And if any of you guys have any feedback or questions, uh, email us. Uh, you can email at heroinetv at gmail.com, and we can answer the questions on the podcast. And uh, hopefully we'll have a second one for you guys soon. Thanks so much, Colin and Kyle, for joining me. It was great. And sorry I seem sort of out of it because it's almost 1 in the morning and I'm I'm <laughs> – on a weird schedule. <laughs> Thank God we're hot chicks with superpowers. Thanks, yeah, Jeff. Comforting. Mm-hmm.